Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Isaac Mizrahi is a fashion designer, author, and entertainer who's best known for his work in the fashion world with his own brands. Isaac also has a wonderful new memoir out called I Am, which is filled with stories from his career in fashion, in entertainment, but also talks a lot about his dogs and about how his dogs have fulfilled his life and helped him define his sense of home, purpose, and contentment. Isaac, it's such an honor and a pleasure to have you on Dog Save the People. So pleased. I love it. <laughs> so I just finished your book. I devoured it. Mm-hmm. I am your memoir. Right. Thank you. And it is a fabulous read. And what I loved about it, I learned so much about you, about your history, where you grew up, about your experience in fashion, theater, show business, everything about your beautiful love story. But I love that the dogs were sprinkled throughout and are really woven into your story, into your life story. So I'd like to begin by asking you a little bit about growing up in Brooklyn and about your first dog that you had as a child, Pom Pom. Sure. Well, Pom Pom was my mom's dog, really. Uh A big, sort of a standard apricot colored, like a, a beige colored poodle. Right. And my mom kept pom-pom manicured. He had sort of um, painted nails and a rhinestone <laughs> collar. It's such yeah, a crazy see, thing. Yeah. In the 60s, you yes. know, like in 1968 when I was seven years old. Like this was pom-pom. And pom-pom was not very well adjusted. Mm-hmm. And I always blamed myself because this is way before I knew anything about dogs or you know, dog adoption or rescuing or anything. I mean, this was the 1960s. I don't know what went on in that world right. in, that, in that, God those only days. Knows. God only knows what happened to animals. But, of course, we bought one. We bought it from a breeder. And I remember going to the breeder's farm somewhere with my family and, you know, sitting down with Pom Pom. I was a child. He never liked us. He never liked people other than my mom. And they were at odds, too. Like, he could never be house-trained. He would always sort of do his business in the house, no matter what they did. It was a crazy thing. And finally, one morning, she stepped in it barefoot, and that was it for Pom Pom. He was gone the next day. When I confronted her as an honest adult, you know, like I was in my 20s, and I said, is it like, were you just telling us that he was sent away when, in fact, you kind of had him put down? And she said, no, 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 no. He was really sent away to an old couple in Long Island who have this fabulous estate. And I was like... Oh, okay. Well, in that case, no, I'm not kidding, right? Like, you think one thing and then who knows, yeah. right? Yeah. And at some point I thought, well, you know, I've always loved dogs. I've always wanted a dog. You know, I think sometimes dog lovers, like dormant dog lovers, are afraid to get involved to take the first step. Yes. Because they see it as this crazy, like, beginning of a commitment, which it really is. Yeah. But it's really the hardest thing is the first step. Once you take the first step, it's like literally, you know, joy from then on, right? And so, you know, I have a really close friend called Kitty Hawks. Yes. And she is great. Yeah. And she's a dog lover and a dog person and a rescue person and a mutt person and just, she's great. She's great. And um, and she knew that I was kind of looking around for a dog and she went with me to, she took me around to sort of different 
shelters and we even one day went to a pound and yes. that was very difficult yes really and that set me back like going to the pound really set me back i thought i don't know if i can do this you know and then like around christmas of 2000 she was like oh you have to come to this one cocktail party because every amazing dog is going to be there from the tri-state area and i was like okay <laughs> right and i was dating this guy eric and i dragged him to this cocktail party Right before we went to the sh- the Rockettes, we went to see the Rockettes that night, and Kitty. I thought Kitty was going to have hundreds of dogs there, and I, you know, it was just a cocktail party right. at this facility called Biscuits and Bath. Sure, of course, yeah, Biscuits and Bath, and it was at the time on East Forty Seventh Street or something, and. I kept waiting to see this parade of dogs, and Kitty was like, "Oh, just one second, right?" She she brought me upstairs to this place where you play with dogs. Yeah. It was like a sort of a like an indoor dog park. Sure. Minutes later, she came out with Harry, and she was like, "This is your dog." She just said that. She was like, this is your dog. And I was like, you know what, Kitty? You're right. This is my fucking dog, right? I just knew it immediately. And I came home after the Rockettes, and I saw Myra, who lives upstairs, Myra Kalman, who's like my best friend. And I sketched Harry. I did this like little sketch. I was like, oh, he's so amazing. He looks like this. And I did the sketch, and it really was an exact replica of my dog in sketch, right? And the next day, I went to pick him up, and we walked home, and it was like this crazy... Like, we never looked back. Right. And I do remember, I will tell you this, I do remember within the first week of having Harry, I did feel slightly kind of hysterical. Of course, you know? me too. I felt the same way. Right. You did, right? Oh. You feel that thing where it's like, what the fuck? What did mm-hmm. I do? Oh, no. And now this thing is looking at me. Yes. And he needs me, and he's going, <sighs> like, he's panting as though he's a little <laughs> nervous about this, you know? I mean, at first it was divine for the first like two or three days. And then all of a sudden it sort of set in, you know, when you're dating someone and you go like, what have I done? I'm dating. Now I have to tell them that I don't want to write. But in fact, it just, that just passed. That just passed. Like literally after about 24 hours, it passed. And that was the worst of it. Right. Once I got over that, it was never bad. And then I've never re-experienced that. It's really just the first time. Yes, exactly. Like after the first three or four days, you get this thing where you go, oh, no, I'm trapped. And then you kind of breathe and you go, okay, no, 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 it's fine. And then never again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I had the same experience when I adopted my dog, Tiny Tim. And I actually called the, I got him from North Randwell League. And I called them. I said, I don't think I can do this. And the guy, the trainer, there's like, just give it a couple of days and then call us back. And it was fine. But I was like, I can't do this. I was completely freaked out. I know I've seen pictures of Tim. What was he like? He was a three-legged uh, pit bull, Roddy. He's actually on my shirt. Somewhere, oh, if you can right. See him. Yes. Oh, that's and, beautiful. And um, he had three legs. And he lost his leg on Christmas Eve, so they called him Tiny Tim. And he was the love of my life. Right. Oh, God. So he's inspired so much yes. in me. I understand, dear. I understand. Yes. I know Harry was also the love of my life. Absolutely. I will never get over Harry. And I have pictures of him around. And there was one picture that we took. I can't... Oh, there's one of him, for sure. Oh, wow. But no, Harry, there was a portrait taken for some magazine uh-huh. when I first got... And it was the most gorgeous thing. And I was still thin. And I was still young. I was still, like, in my... <laughs> in my and he was so cute. And I was dressed very chicly that day, yeah. I remember. I just liked my hair. It was a good day, right? And it was taken in front of some coffee shop. I was dating some guy who was running a coffee shop. And... <laughs> It was this great picture, and then it was in some magazine that had long gone out of print, sure. right? When he died, which was, you know, 16 years later, I desperately tried to find that picture because I remembered it in my mind's eye, and I couldn't remember the name of the publication, and it was gone for good. And then yeah. somehow, 
Somebody said, oh, why don't you call so-and-so? She knows every damn magazine right. from the past. And somehow she located the photographer, and I got a print, or two or oh, three prints great? from the sky. Yeah, And I have the print in my bedroom. Beautiful. Yeah, I look at that picture all the time. There were a few crazy portraits of Harry, one by this crazy artist named Scott Livschitz, who's fantastic. Of course, you know, yes. Scott. But it's not the regular... I mean, we have one of Dean in that context where it's just With the, the floating face, head, yes. The floating head, yeah, that's what he does. But I was like, oh, Scott, I really want like a sort of a... Like a manet, you know, like a like a like an excerpt from, you know, like a sort of hilarious neoclassical whatever portrait. Yes. And he did it. He did Harry in this kind of hilarious, you know, Manet-ish way. He's amazing. Um, yeah, he is. He's, He's so amazing. Gifted. Yeah, he really is. So you mentioned in your book, right around the time that your show was finishing up, and you were just, again, you were nervous about this impending void in your life, and you started thinking about a dog, and you mentioned that while you were looking for a relationship, you got something even better with Harry in your life. In quoting you, it says, namely, a companion who asked no questions and only gave love. That's, I think that's right. such a beautiful quote. Well, I agree with that. I mean, I'm, I said it, but it's yeah. true. It's really yeah. true. I mean, and I asked no questions of Harry. You know, it was just an incredible, unconditional thing both ways. And once I had a dream that in my dream, we were talking, Harry and I. And I was like, Harry, you get it, right? Like, you get all this that I'm thinking. And I was like, oh, yeah, are you kidding me? Don't even question that. How could you even question it? It was a crazy good dream, you know? That's beautiful. I know. I remember that. It, you know, I started walking Harry in the village a lot. Yes. I was just walking around with the dog a lot, going to dog parks. And, you know, he became like this crazy companion for me all the time. And, of course, I hated leaving him anytime. Yes. That's still really hard, you know. And I, I remember before I got the dog, I would say to Kitty, like, hey, Kitty, like, how do you go away? How do you go to Europe for two weeks? And she's like, well, we don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay, well, right. You know, it kind of, like, I was already tending towards this crazy, like, phobia of travel. Because as you know, as a designer, you literally are at the most far-flung parts of the earth. Right. You land and then you're have and to you go. And you have to crazy. Right. Yeah. And so you understand you just get very hateful of travel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so when I got Harry, it became this like good excuse to not go anywhere. Yes. You know? Yeah. I understand. And eventually it was a little easier for me to go places. And the thing is, it's a little easier, but it's still, I mean, it's still like weeks in advance of my leaving. For anywhere longer than three or four nights, I literally start to panic. I wake up in the middle of the night like having major panics. It's crazy. <laughs> so a love story began with you and Harry, but then somehow, and this is one of the most charming parts of the book and part of your story, you were walking Harry, as you had mentioned, all, yes. all around the neighborhood yeah. and to every meeting and this and that. Mm -hmm. And one night you met somebody special on the street. I did. It was during the day, actually. I came home. I was at a meeting with my mom when she was selling her house with the lawyer, which took much longer than I thought. She said it would be an hour. It was literally three hours later. And I was hysterical because I had just gotten Harry and I thought, oh, what has he done to the, you know, to yes. my house? Yes. And I walked in and there was no trace of anything. And he was such a good boy. And I raced out the door with Harry to take him for this long walk. And Suddenly, across Fifth Avenue, I saw Arnold, and he saw me, and we made this kind of eye contact. And, you know, you make eye contact on 12th Street. It's one thing, but literally on an avenue, like, yes. that's crazy, right? And so the next thing I knew, I was almost on 13th and 6th, and Arnold came running up behind me. I was like, wow, jackpot. Finally, somebody I want to meet on the street who I'm meeting. And, you know, so it was in the process of walking Harry that I met Arnold and immediately started talking and... 
there was something so genuine about Arnold and so like sort of lovely about him. And anyway, you know, one thing led to another and we've been together since then. I mean, we were apart for about four years in the middle of the whole thing, but we got back together in 2005, I think. And we got married in 2011. Yeah, that's amazing. So how was Harry with Arnold when they met? How was was he with this new person in your life? The funny thing about Harry is that he was always very protective and didn't like men that I dated. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, you know, Harry would like sort of lay claim to the bed. And anytime Arnold came near the bed, he would growl. Mm And once he actually, like, (laughs) he bit Arnold, and it was so funny. And, like, he actually thought it was hysterically funny. Like, he wasn't mad at Harry, and he wasn't, he didn't think there was anything wrong with him. Oh, that's great. He just laughed. And that's... That's a good sign. That's a good sign. That really is. That really is. Yeah. So when you and Arnold finally committed to each other, you had Harry, and then he adopted a dog, Dean. That's right. We were together in 2000 and 2001, and then we broke up, and he moved to Santa Fe. And then he moved back to New York, and we got back together. And at that point in 2005, he he adopted Dean. Okay. And what is Dean like? What kind of dog is he? Dean is a beagle mixed with a Jack Russell terrier. Uh He's kind of big for that. He's like, I'd say, 25 pounds. For a Jack Russell, it's big. Yeah. So he's more beagle. And he is awful. I mean, Dean is a monster. He really is. He's a monster. But he's just also so damn funny that right. he, you know, it's like, it'd be like having like a problematic, like having one of those really, really bad comics as your pet dog, you know, and they're just messy and they drink too much uh-huh. and they're messes, you know, that's who, that's why I always think of as Dean. But, you know, Dean came into the picture and immediately fell in with Harry, right? Like, they became very, very good friends. And they loved each other. And the thing is, you know, in the beginning, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but they worked it out. You know, they just did. They worked it out. And so, you know, Dean is now getting on. Dean is about 15 or 14, Mm -hmm. 14 years old. You had mentioned when Harry died that it kind of confirmed the natural order of things about life. You know, John, we have very, very different backgrounds, I think, right? In that I am from here and I'm Jewish and it's a yeshiva thing and a like it's a weird perspective that you have. And I would love to read your memoir because I'm sure there's a lot of crazy (laughs) shit that goes on that went on in your early life, right? But in my early life, you know, like we were taught things that weren't exactly so terrifically valid or like terrifically true for me for instance you know a lot of values that i probably didn't agree with i've been a very confusing thing like sort of trying to adjust in the world i like this idea of being in search of something or not sure of something i do you know it's kind of like a great reason to sort of be in the world but when harry died it kind of occurred to me that there wasn't so much of an answer to those questions, you know? There wasn't going to be this crazy kind of realization where suddenly I would be enlightened. It was just this kind of crazy thing like, oh, right, I've been all along kind of my perceptions of things, my own perceptions of things were correct. And I talk about it as being, it was a dose of fatalism, you know, like all of a sudden I accepted stuff, right? That's what I got when Harry died. I didn't feel sad necessarily, except devastated, and I missed him, and physically like depressed, like I would cry constantly, but I didn't feel sad or something. It wasn't exactly sad, because if you believe that, 
then you believe that he's actually gone or something, when in fact he's never gone. Exactly. You know, Harry is just never gone. Yeah, because yeah. he, he's alive in me all the time because he taught me everything I know about everything. And when Harry passed in 2016, on May 12th of 2016, mm-hmm. I remember the date even, you know, three months later, which and I thought it was very soon after Harry died, Arnold found a picture of Kitty. She was like one of those Sato dogs, you yes. know? Um, yeah, yes. A Puerto Rican dog. And this was before the hurricane, right? This yes. was like in t- 2016. So he found this picture on... Pet Finder from Stray from the Heart. My favorite website. Of course. Yeah. And um, her name was Kita. And so I decided to change it to Kitty in honor of my friend Kitty Hawks, who originally introduced me to Harry. Anyway, so Kitty landed at JFK on August 1st, 2016, three months after Harry died. And she came into our lives and she was a little bit skittish, John. You know, I mean, they have terrible lives in Puerto Rico. She's still a little bit like sort of nervous if there's a loud noise. And also she's a collie, so she's madly smart. So sometimes she plays like skittish. She's not skittish, but she's sort of playing with you a little bit and she's pretending to be scared or nervous. And that's hilarious, I have to tell you. That's very, very funny. But so Kitty came around in 2016. She just appeared off a plane and we went to pick her up. And then, you know, she's been in our lives. And again, she and Dean originally had a moment where, you know, Dean is, of course, obnoxious and he's male and she's female. And right away, she kind of set him straight. Yes. And so like the minute that that boundary was set, they adore each other. In my household as well, my dog Millie is the boss. She's older and she's got two younger brothers, and she does the same thing, and she sets them straight, and that's the end of it, and which yes. is really great. I mean, there's got to be, there's got to be somebody to do that in the house. So for sure. Now with your life here in New York with Arnold and your dogs, how can you express how they've changed your life? How did they, from day to day, how they helped you? I was thinking about this because. I was thinking about my life before the dogs and before Arnold. And I was thinking about how incredibly quick I used to be and how I was at every exhibit. I never missed a show at, like, any gallery. I never missed any theater. I never missed any opera. I went to the ballet constantly. I read everything, you know? I mean, I still read a lot and I still go to a lot of theater. I still see a lot of stuff. But you cannot imagine, you can't ever come close to, like, the crazy quantities of shit I used to do and parties, and treasts, and, you know, it was just a fast life, right? And traveling, we were talking about traveling, yeah. yeah. And then you get a dog, right? You know, it doesn't make you like those things less, but you start going, do I really need to see that play? I know I'm going to hate it. You know, I'm serious. And because in past, like, you'd go to something in order to hate it, you know? And the thing is, originally with Harry... Right. There wasn't it didn't really slow me down so much until I kind of got that I didn't like being away from him that much. Right. And I don't think he liked it when I left. Right. But he was such a gentleman and he was such a doll and he never made a big deal, especially if I gave him like a bone with peanut butter in it. Then he was like, yeah, goodbye. Right. But in fact, you just get that it's better to be home with your dog. It just is. And like, I don't know if it's cultural or something and that like everything stinks now except like streaming services? <laughs> Is that why we like to stay home more with our dogs? Possibly. You know? And we're turning into like Wally or something where we're just going to float around on like pods with screens, right? I just hope there's a spot for my dog on the pod, you know? Yeah. Or my dogs, plural. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
How do the dogs make you feel when you are home with them? You know, I don't feel different, but I feel oblivious to everything else and happily oblivious. But I don't feel more love or something or less. I just sure. feel like, okay, the world is the world and this world is my world, mm-hmm. you know, seriously. And the thing is, of course, you know, Arnold is a part of this world yes. too. And he definitely has ideas about dogs and how they should be raised, etc. And we fight about that. You know, I will always feed a dog off the table. Sorry, yes. I just do it. And I know, but Arnold doesn't like it when I feed the dogs. So there's like whatever that sort of discord in the house a little bit. But first of all, I do think Arnold is coming around to understanding my thing about like, you know, they have such horrible lives. Yeah, in the the short lives. Short lives. Ease the pain, darling. Yes. Ease the fucking pain. And so... It's not exactly more or less love or something, even though it's tons more love, right? That's not the issue here. The issue isn't the more or less love, because I was very happy before Harry, too. I had a great life, too, you know? So it's not the quantity of love or the quality or something. It's just the idea that you actually have a world that's better than anything out there, you know? It's just mm. better than anything mm. out there. Love it. That's the thing. Yeah. I love it. Do I think my dogs are part of my family? It's a hard question to answer because because I'm gay, right? And often it's the cliche of gay people to not have actual children, to have, like, you know, dogs. And, I mean, sometimes cliches are very true. That's why they're cliche, right? But I don't think of them as my family. I think of them as, like, my world. And there's a difference because... Family means that there's like, you know, a head of a family and a this part of the family and this, that, does that, and everybody has a function. But in this world that I have with the dogs, there are no familial obligations. You know, it's like they don't have to act like children. I don't have to sort of discipline them or something. They don't have to support me in my old age. You know what I mean? So, no, it's not a family thing, but it's better. It's like, yes. it's, it's just a love thing. It's a love. It's a world full of love. You know? Yes. I love it. And Isaac, how do we find you on social media? Well, I am on Twitter. Yes. And also on Instagram, I am, the name of the account is I am Isaac Mizrahi, which is verified. And there's another verified account called Isaac Mizrahi NY, which is the corporate thing. Yes. But my personal one is I am Isaac Mizrahi. Okay. Beautiful. So Isaac, I'm, again, I'm so honored to have this time with you. I'm so honored to do it. I Thank love you. it. You're a and doll. Thank you. And your book, I just, I encourage everybody who's listening to, to get your book, I Am, by Isaac Mizrahi. It's a beautiful memoir. And for me, as a dog lover, as a fashion person, as a New Yorker, it just, it spoke to me on every level. So I loved it. And thank you again for being here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I love it. Thanks. I really related to Isaac's story about fashion and the kind of inherent glamour behind this. But more so, what I loved hearing about Isaac's story is how his dog, Harry, and then his other dogs subsequently have really helped him find a sense of calm, a sense of peacefulness, and a real center that's based at home with his husband. And I love that story because for me too, having my dogs really has helped me to kind of settle into my life. I get up with them in the morning at 5 a.m. and then I take them out at night at 9 p.m. And it really kind of rounds out my life. It rounds out my day. And I think Isaac and I really share that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. 
It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Sommer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. For the dog days of summer, during July and August, we will be posting every other Tuesday. I'll be spending a lot more time with my dogs, and I hope you will be too. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you. Thank you.